Welcome back to Church Unscripted, a ministry of Brookside Church where we uh, talk about the sermon from the previous Sunday and try to go deeper into that conversation. We are glad that you joined us today. What we're going to ask you to do is if you have found these unscripted podcasts helpful and valuable to you, that you not only like and subscribe to this YouTube channel, but you also share it. Uh, and uh, that way you hit the, also the notification bell so you can be notified of any new episodes coming to your feed, but also that you share it so that your friends and your family can be exposed to it as well. We have discovered that this is a ministry that is reaching people, and so we're glad uh, that we get to do this with you today. I am accompanied once again by uh, my friends, Pastor John and Pastor David, and we are here to talk about the message preached from Luke chapter 10 today, which is the third weekend of our uh, vision series that we were preaching through the month of August. Um, Let me kind of, if I can, summarize what we heard this weekend from uh, Pastor Brian, even though it's unfortunate he couldn't be with us today, but uh, he kind of took us through Luke chapter 10, where uh, the disciples that Jesus sent out earlier on in the chapter came back and it says that they were celebrating, that they were joyful because uh, the demons submitted to them in the name of Jesus. And uh, if I would put myself in the shoes of these 70 or 72 disciples, I think I'd find myself joyful as well because up until that time in my life, I would have never experienced that kind of spiritual authority. The demonic kingdom, demonic forces were intimidating to say the least in so many respects. And now all of a sudden they submit to me in the name of Jesus. That all of a sudden leads me into all kinds of ministry success, which I've never experienced before. You know, how could you not feel joy because of that, right? Uh, And Jesus celebrates with them too. However, he goes on to say something that probably surprised them. He said, don't celebrate, don't be joyful that the demons submit to you, but be joyful that your name is written in the book of life in heaven. And I thought that was an interesting statement. So if I could summarize what I heard from Brian this weekend, it was Jesus isn't telling us not to celebrate ministry success. What he's telling us to do is not let that be the foundation of our joy, because there are other times in life where we're not experiencing that kind of ministry success. We're not having the effects of what we've put our hearts and minds into. And yet that doesn't need to steal our joy because the foundation is that our names are written in heaven with Jesus, and that ought to be the source of it. And so I think this ought to lead to some some fun conversation today. Uh, my first question is this, have you ever found yourself a part of an experience or a group where you have felt something of a VIP? Pastor Brian talked about um, the, the, his son's wedding where he and everybody else there got to sign the guest book. In other words, they're kind of a VIP person at this event. So have you ever been a part of something of a VIP experience where you have felt honored to be a part of something like that? I wow. hope the answer is wow. not no. Wow. I, I, I can't think of anything I, specific. I think, I think sometimes um, as a pastor, yeah. here's the VIP thing that happens almost every time I meet with someone. They're like, oh, can you pray for the meal? I mean, like, I mean, I'm just being honest. Like, that's a VIP thing. They're they're elevating you to say, hey, you should you should do the prayer. In some ways, as a pastor, I go, no, I think you should. No, but <laughs> but the reality is, I think I think there's honor there. Um, I, I think there's also other experiences that I think of as VIP. I mean, ones that you don't have to pay for, like a ticket, VIP ticket to a concert yeah. or something like that. That's what when you said that, that's what I first thought of, yeah. and I'm like, well, I haven't really done much of that because. Yeah. That's expensive, um, but uh, but I think um, there's moments where you've been honored. Like um, a good example of that is you know when I recently transitioned in ministry to a new lo- new location into Brookside and moved to Fort Wayne, and um, before I left, 
they held this like reception thing, right? And at the reception thing, it was it was it was a little bit like a wedding. So there is a connection there because I'm sitting there with my wife at this table and it's got the leaders of the church. And then there's all these tables out here and I'm like, wait, am I getting remarried to my wife? And I just didn't know it. Like, is there some surprise I didn't know about? And sometimes when you're honored or you're a VIP in that moment, um, what washes over you is I'm not, I don't understand if I'm worthy of this. Like, I, I don't really know, like, and especially when it's a surprise, you know, the best surprise, like the best surprise is feeling honored or mm-hmm. a VIP in some situation. Um, I can think of one other situation. Um, I was asked to guest preach at a Korean church. I was doing the English service yeah, and uh, it was out, it was in Mishawaka area. Right. And I, I go, I preach and they're like, every week we have a meal afterwards in the gym. And I'm like, okay, this is really cool. And I'm in the gym and I realize like in, in Asian culture, like when you have white hair, you're honored. You're So I'm realizing that they're sitting me in the seat of honor at this table with all the white haired, like elders of the church, right? And I'm like, I don't speak Korean. And so they sit me down. They put this, this soup bowl in front of me that something's moving inside of it. I won't mm. even try to claim I know what it was. And I... I realize I look up once they, cause I'm like staring at it. You know, I'm a little freaked out. There's live animals in my food, right? Um, and I look up and I realize everyone's waiting for me to take the first bite. Nobody, like, no nobody one, prepped you. No up. one was eating. Yeah. No one was eating. And I'm just like, did, did you do it? Yeah, of course. Like, <laughs> they I, probably I had were to. Like, Why did you eat that? Nobody eats the they live like, animal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were like looking at me and I'm like, okay. So I take the first bite and then everyone started eating. And I thought, wow. Yeah. Like what's going on here? They're honoring me. And I I definitely did not deserve that. I didn't deserve to be the VIP or any, anything. So those are just a couple of no, experiences. That's good. It's, it's the idea of, you know, being honored that you're part of something, that you belong to something. I find that, I find that when, when people talk about uh, the university that I attended, Indiana Wesleyan University, there's this pride that kind of wells to the surface to say, I got my degree from that place. Or it's, you know what, when people talk about Brookside, it's like, okay, I belong to this family called Brookside. Uh, I think the ultimate example of that for so many of us is when we got married, we get to say, okay, now I belong to her. She belongs to me. And so it's yeah. almost like a badge of honor where, where as soon as you are identified with that group or that school or that person, right, then all of a sudden there's this sense of incredible pride that comes from it. And so um, I just remember when I graduated Indiana Westland, I'm like, okay, what am I leaving this school with? It's, I'm leaving with the degree, uh, which is going to be great but I'm more excited that I get to leave with my favorite person from Indiana Wesleyan, which is now my wife. So there's, <laughs> right, she better be my favorite person, right? That's, That's right. what I got from Indiana <laughs> yeah. Wesleyan. Yeah. Well, you know the joke, right? It, most like Christian liberal arts schools, most girls go there to get their MRS degree, right? Yeah, oh yeah, Bring yeah. By yeah. Spring. Yeah. Bring by spring? I haven't yeah. heard that one before. Yeah. I'm gonna use it though. That's, what, that's yeah. how Cedarville was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah ring, ring by spring. By spring. Eat, eat freshman weekend. Engaged by the spring. That's right. And once you have it, you don't need to school anymore. That's right. Just go home. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think I think it's what Brian expensive. was getting at is, <laughs> is when you believe by faith that your name is written written in the book of heaven, right? In the book of life, there's this pride that ought to well up in you that says, you know what? Whatever I'm going through right now, even if I'm not experiencing ministry success, life is hard. I mean, there's a joy, an underlying current that goes beneath the circumstances on the surface, whether they're great circumstances or frustrating circumstances. So how do, you, how do we, David, 
remind ourselves of that reality when we feel stuck in circumstances as a Christian and as a mm. follower of Jesus that are not always preferable? Mm. I think it comes down to relationship and people. Okay. Um, we talk a lot about, I mean, having, having people around us. Um, and I think that in those moments when you are frustrated, it's kind of like the, who do I call? You know, like, mm -hmm. like my wife can be one of those people for me when I'm frustrated, when I'm stuck. Um, she can remind me of the good things, of the identity statements that I'm not telling myself. And through that, then I'm able to celebrate in the midst of whatever's going on. So I think the community around us is vitally important to being able to uh, maintain joy because um, just as I might have a season where I'm not experiencing wins or whatever that looks like, like there's going to be a season when John's not experiencing wins, but I can say, Hey, like the way you help me, I'm going to help you. Like you're a child of God, um, rejoice in that. And we can help bear each other's burdens yeah. in that way. I think that's, I think it's part of the value of actually being a part of a local body of Christ, right? right. Because I mean, Monday through Saturday, we're going through a plethora of different experiences, some good, some bad. And it's easy in the mix of all that stuff to somewhat be confused with your identity, mm -hmm. where you belong mm -hmm. and allow those circumstances to define that. And so church, surrounded by a community of people who love you with worship songs that sing, I am no longer a slave to sin, but I'm a child of God, yeah. like you said, yeah. with messages that draw our hearts back to Jesus, mm -hmm. remind us that yeah. our names are written in the book of life if we're a believer in Jesus. Yeah. Well, and... and I think you made a good point there that being a Christian and the church is not just a gathering on Sunday morning. Sometimes right. we focus yeah. so much on that. And I mean, a majority of our time even is not on Sunday morning. We're preparing for it, but there's so many other things we do during the week to, to help people and to, to get people directed towards Jesus Christ and the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so something, something you said, I, I don't know if you have a question on this, but I'm a little curious. I feel like there's some blur in people's understanding of happiness mm. and joy. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I don't know if we can unpack that a little bit because you just said mm -hmm. like someone's struggling with something, but I can still have joy. I feel like when we struggle with something, we don't have happiness. Like what's the difference between those two? I mean, what do you guys think? Let me Google that real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. you know. Well, I, I, uh, I actually had the opportunity to talk with Pastor Brian before he preached the message, and we talked about that very issue. And I think we dissected that there's not only a difference between happiness and joy, but also Christian joy and non-Christian joy. So happiness, I think, is this fleeting feeling um, that is as surface as you can get. An emotion. It's an emotion, yeah. absolutely. And that is dependent on circumstances. The joy goes deeper. And I think that if you are not a follower of Jesus, you can legitimately say that there is some form of joy in your life. However, the difference between uh, non-Jesus joy and Jesus-centered joy uh, is, that you're, is that where it's sourced from. So if your joy is sourced from Jesus, then it has eternal impact, eternal consequence, and eternal power. But if it's not sourced in Jesus, it might go deeper than your circumstances. However, it's sourced in something that is still shaky at best, whether that's in your family or yeah. in your wealth or, mm. or in your, in your uh, status or what position. And so I think that's the difference where, where he clarified the joy that we have that is Jesus-centered is produced by the Holy Spirit, which means it's unchangeable regardless of what you go through. Mm.
I so, don't know. so, so basically, if you're destroyed, like your favorite sporting team loses or something like that, and you're devastated by that emotionally, that's a false grounding of joy. You're only find joy in winning, let's say, yeah. right? So that would be a false joy. Um, I remember reading this like years ago, but it was Jonathan Edwards uses a different word. He used the word affections because he talks about our affections for Jesus versus our affections for like. Um, we use the word, we throw the word love around a lot. And I think we do the same thing with joy and happiness a little bit. Like I love pizza. Well, I find joy in gardening. Well, that's great. I mean, that's a great thing to find joy in, but is that Jesus? Or, or I find joy in looking at God's creation. You know, you can almost pivot any, anything that you find joy in really can come from Christ. But then when the foundation's taken away, so like something happens that you don't, don't enjoy, um, do you still have joy in it? Does that make sense guys i mean david I, I know that's a little hard to yeah follow <laughs> yeah i think so i i was i was just when you were talking about like the sports teams and stuff i'm like well how do i know if i'm feeling happiness or joy over the win or the loss do you know what i'm saying because i would say even people like they they might find joy in being a fan of a team whether they win or lose but the happiness comes on the success so the joy is almost like more determined by a um a uh what's the word i'm looking for not a uh, like a commitment to something so like but, finding but, joy in watching the game but right you find but happiness so in them winning. but then that's the difference well, between christian yeah. joy and just yeah i think you're getting something there i think i think one of the ways that you can spot true jesus-centered joy is when the circumstances in somebody's life is in no way is in no way producing any kind of happiness especially when somebody says something like i was just diagnosed with cancer I was just diagnosed with a terminal disease. My loved one's dying. Everything about that scenario is gonna cause incredible heartbreak and sorrow, right? However, you spot it when they say things like, but I know Jesus is still with me. And I know that Jesus is still Lord and he loves me. And if I die, I'm gonna be with him in glory. I mean, this is Paul talking about, you know, if I'm gonna go live on, mm -hmm. I will live on for Christ. But if I'm gonna die, man, I can't wait to see him. And that's actually where I'd rather be, but I know God's not going to take yeah. me yet because he's still got stuff for me here. I think that's joy. Yeah. So I think it's, it's a joy that, that goes beyond understanding. Mm. Bible talks about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's also a joy that comes from a faith that believes a certain trueness about yourself that no matter what the circumstances are, there is something that by faith is still true of me. And that is what the Bible already says of me. And I think that's where the joy comes in, that my circumstances don't dictate yeah. my relationship with Jesus. Yep. It's his death and resurrection that does. And that gives me joy. So the thing I thought was interesting about yeah. the passage, and it's related to that, is that he says, Jesus responds to them, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. He pauses like, yeah. okay, so basically he's saying, even in good circumstances, when ministry's going well, when things are going well, don't rejoice in that. He says, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So it's like, yeah. mm -hmm. it's like there's a very base level. That joy, he's like, the joy of success, even in eternal terms, can be taken from you. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But yeah, yet- an emotional response, right? Yeah, yeah. In a way, I'm, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this. I'm happy right, about it. Right. He's like- yeah, yeah, but that's that doesn't even compare to the glory. But you I mean we've all seen the dangers of what happens if your joy comes from success Ooh, and if yeah. your discouragement comes from failure. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many people have we seen in ministry mm -hmm. that started off with the greatest of intentions, but then they had an immense amount of success? 
All of a sudden they get arrogant. Mm. They, they stand above accountability and some kind of failure inevitably happens. Mm-hmm. And I think if you remember, okay, my joy is in the fact that my name is written in the book of life along with every other name that's in the book of life. And my name's in that book of life, not because of anything I've done, but because of what Jesus, now all of a sudden it has a humbling effect on yeah. you. I mean, how arrogant would I get if I did, hey, have you ever cast out a demon? Nope, I have. Have you ever cured a disease? Nope, I have. You know what well, I'm saying? Well, but there's people that do that, you well, know, that know. say stuff like that. Exactly. Or they say, I've got this spiritual gift and you That's don't. Right. You That's know, right. right. They look down on you. So, so it's, it's a dangerous thing. And that's why I love what Jesus says in verse 21. He says, I saw Satan fall like heaven, uh, fall from heaven like lightning. And I really appreciated his explanation of that. He kind of gave three different interpretations of that. Two of them are kind of more traditional. The third was his own. I liked all of them. The first one he said was, uh, um, theologians have argued that Jesus is referring to the day of creation when Satan and a third of the angelic world rebelled against God. And so he was cast out of heaven like lightning to the earth, right? Mm -hmm. Or it could be that, in, when Jesus was tempted in the gospels for 40 days mm-hmm. and he overcame that temptation, or it could be Jesus was watching the disciples cast out demons and having victory over the demonic world. And he saw Satan fall and fall and fall. And as soon as he fell, somebody had freedom. I thought that is really good. And I'm wondering what if all three are true? Mm. Is it possible it that, is. Yeah. That, yeah. that Satan was conquered when he was cast out of, out of heaven? Satan was conquered when Jesus overcame the temptations and he's inviting us to be a part of that same victory when we go have victory over the enemy. And even, even when I hear that, I think Jesus just claimed authority and that he was there at the beginning of creation. Do you notice that? Like he's claiming authority and then he's saying your name's written in the book of life. I mean, it's kind of (laughs) like, I know about creation and I know about Satan, the enemy, and I know that he's fallen and guess what? You're written in the book of life. I mean, Honestly, no other source would give me more confidence, right? right? He's like, you know, I've like, seen it all, man. Like, I've seen it all. But the greatest thing is this. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, this is I better. Mean, that, that's reassuring. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting. So um, well, how do I want to ask this question? Uh, <laughs> so how do we protect ourselves from becoming spiritually arrogant or conceited by standing on ministry success, which we've all experienced, and reminding ourselves that before we ever had spiritual success, Jesus had more, he's conquered more, mm. and it's only because of him that we're in it anyway. Mm. How, do we, how do we protect ourselves from spiritual arrogance? I, I feel like it's really fundamental, but not growing numb to the gospel. Okay. I felt really led on Sunday I mean, even in our worship time before Brian preached, just to really like lean into the gospel truth, like we were singing a lot of gospel truth. And I think sometimes we, especially in ministry, we can work on building, spreading the gospel and, and mm-hmm. making the gospel work for other people, but we miss out on making the gospel true to us today. And I think as long as we're recognizing that we are a wretched man, we need a savior every single day. Um, he died for us. I mean, there's no amount of pride or arrogance that I can get from that because I literally did nothing and he freely gave. And so I think one of the ways that we can um, protect ourselves against that arrogance is just simply to fall under the gospel and be humble towards it. I mean, First Corinthians talks about the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 
And so I think for all of us, whatever success looks like, we have to ground ourselves in the gospel, preach it to ourselves every day. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Paul represents that. I can't remember exactly where he's, he talks about how wretched of a man he is, right? But right. then if you actually look at his life, he's perhaps one of the most successful people who's ever lived. I mean, before he found Jesus and then after he found right. Jesus. Successful in both extremes. Oh my goodness. But then he <laughs> says, you know, I consider it all rubbish. Yeah. Just so that I might know Christ and him crucified. Right. Well, and I, I, I think even along those lines in a practical sense, like God does purposely humble, humble those that are his children. I mean, I, I can think of all the experiences I've had and I would say the pivot points or the growth points in my life have always been through difficulty rather than through the times that things are really great. Maybe that's just me, but I find that that tends to be the case with most, piece, most people. Um, but when you were saying that, I was thinking about one verse that is stuck and burns in my brain, especially when I read... Luke chapter 10, it's from Colossians. Colossians one twenty seven mm-hmm. says, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Okay, that's the gospel, the mystery, which is Christ in you, yeah. the hope of glory. Anytime that we lose sight of Jesus-centered life, mm-hmm. we're losing sight of that hope of glory. And that hope of glory is being written in the name or our names written in the book of life. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. And so I think that is the core of what should humble us. And I think not that there's a really a switch, but I feel like sometimes there's a switch in our life and it it's on and off and it goes on and off all day long. Okay. On I'm living in the Holy spirit off. I'm living under my own power on I'm living in the Holy spirit. I I'm just saying yeah. like most yeah. of us probably feel that way. Yeah. Or sometimes we feel like that switch has been turned off and we're like, we don't hear from God right now. I think the struggle is we sometimes sensationalize our experience with God mm. rather than realizing that God is sometimes there in our most difficult moments when we're struggling the most, when we want to yell at our kids, when we want to do something that is not of God. And in that moment is when God says, Hmm, you're not going to do that anymore. Mm. You know, I, re- I recently was watching a, a short video and it had a celebrity that's known for partying. And the celebrity said just one day, I was thinking, okay, I got to reply to a family member and I, I got to go drink some more to get ready to reply to this family member about something they were grieving about. And then like a lightning bolt, like it was like, God spoke to me. You're not going to do that anymore. And they're completely like clean now. And I thought about it and I was watching the video and it was a little, I mean, again, it was a well-produced video, right. this, this testimony. But I thought to myself, I, I feel like it's those moments when we're weakest is actually the moments when God shows us his power and going back to Paul as well. Mm-hmm. And, and even, I mean, John says this, um, John the Baptist, he's like, you know, I must decrease and he must increase. I mean, that's really our whole walk. And so that any time that we're not moving in that direction, then we're going to become arrogant. I mean, and the other thing is if we're living for other people's like platitudes and flattery, mm. it's going to become really easy to that to be the thing that drives us rather than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes we say things or do things just because this is what someone else will think. I mean, kids do it, peer pressure, but I don't think that changes in adulthood. So I, I mean, I think one of the things that I'm learning through this is that rejoicing is 
it is a good feeling produced by the Holy Spirit, like Brian said, mm-hmm. but its effects is more than an emotion. It's also mm-hmm. a, has grounding effect. Mm-hmm. And as I was, I was thinking about how would I bring this into my home mm-hmm. um, and kind of teach this ethic to my kids. And what I realized is, and I want to ask you guys the same question, but what I realized is on any given day, each of my kids will have significant ups and downs. That's, that's why when we sit down for dinner, one of the questions that we, Heather and I try to ask to spark conversation, which sometimes goes well, a lot of times does not go well, <laughs> is, is give us your highs and lows. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was a really good thing that happened and what was a not so good thing that happened. Um, and it's interesting, their responses, but there are times when, when they're in such of a low that they feel like their world is falling apart. And I think the opportunity we have to remind them of this ethic is to say, but I know you tried and stuff and I know you, you made a mistake, whatever it was, but we still love you and you're part of this family and it will never change the fact of how proud we are of you. And I think mm-hmm. that's what rejoicing does for us. It grounds us into God's heartbeat for us. And so it doesn't matter if I have ministry failure or I mess things up or I screw up. God is always looking at me and saying, um, uh, you're still my kid and you're in my family. Your name's written here in the book of life and I am so proud of you. And I think the story of the prodigal son really illustrates that. I can imagine the prodigal son coming back in Luke 15 from, you know, the pigsty thinking, man, I wish I could just, you know, have a couple of meals in my dad's house, Mm -hmm. right? His dad runs to him and throws his cloak around him, gives him a ring, puts sandals on his feet and said, throw a party, my son's come home. And I think it illustrates that the father was always in love and always proud of his son. And I don't don't know, that's one way that I thought Heather and I can begin to bring this Luke chapter 10 ethic into our home. But Mm. what are some of the ways that you guys think you could do that with your kids? So I, I think the reason what you said works is because you're acknowledging them as a person and acknowledging that they're made in the image of God, like the value that they have mm. by saying that, by, by acknowledging like the defeat that they might be feeling, but then also saying, no, this is really who God says you are. Mm. Um, we do something very similar sometimes. And uh, my nine-year-old has gotten her hands on this thing. Um, it's this little box that we have with a bunch of cards with different questions. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's driving me nuts. She's trying to ask like 10 a night. And I'm like, let's go with two, okay? It'll be like, uh, what's your favorite vegetable when you were a kid? And what's your favorite vegetable now? Or something like that. And we found that those conversations Mm. lead to like high and low conversations just because it becomes natural. Like, oh, I hate green beans. You know, like a kid says that. And I'm like, oh, why? Oh, we have green beans for tonight. You know, like, like, is this your low for the day? You know? Yeah. I think, I think one of the things that, that we've forgotten to do as parents many times is actually have those collective conversations. Um, I was reading recently um, that the average parent of a teenager spends less than three minutes with them in conversation a day. No way. I'm not kidding, because they don't That's eat together. Crazy. People don't eat together. Wow. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, and that was based on like a national yeah, study. So I'm like, okay, so, so if things like that are happening, how do we engage? And I think what you described is something that is very easy and doesn't matter what the age of the kids are. Um, one, one other thing we try to do is we try to actually focus on saying, okay, tonight's a family night. That doesn't mean sitting in front of a screen. I mean, it could be, could mean that, could mean pizza, could mean something like that, but we're gonna do something that we engage. And so we found that we can tell what's in our kids' spirit just by playing a simple game with them. 
because usually mm-hmm. there's one person cheating and there's usually another person angry about <laughs> it and there's another person that's like winning. Um, we fa- we actually found a game that's so random now. My four-year-old is beating all of us and it's really frustrating, Heidi and I, because we feel really... <laughs> It's um, revealing your heart. Yeah, it I'm is. like, I'm like, I feel so dumb. Wait, he's the one who's <laughs> cheating over here. No, I'm not. Uh-huh. I won't. I won't tell you what game it is okay. because it'll make me feel sad. But I, but, uh, but I think also having the conversation like, um, my daughter came home recently, and she was like really stressed about her grades, and I just got her grades, and they were really good. And I was like, what are you stressed about? Well, I missed a point on this like one paper, and I'm like, honey, it's okay. Like this, you learned, you, you know, the right answer now, right? And she's like, yeah, I totally do. I said, that's the point. Like God is not looking at us we don't hold value. Like your value is not determined by your grades in school. Your value is determined Mm -hmm. by the fact that Mm -hmm. God loves you. And like you said, he's always going to say, you're, you're my child. Mm -hmm. Nothing's changed. Um, And I think some of that's imposed by us. Like, I mean, imposed on us. Like if you have a sermon and you're like, it's not hitting, or I have a sermon and it's not hitting, I'm going to be like, oh, man, I'm bummed. Mm. But the reality is like nothing changed in my position with God. God's still saying like, hey, you're doing what you're supposed to. You know, you're doing mm-hmm. what God, I've yeah. called you to. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. David, you've probably got like four or five things. <laughs> Your kids are awesome. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, that was they all have, they all have really kids. Yes, no, they, they are, are they are awesome, but they're kids, right? That's right. I mean, yeah. they're not perfect. Um by any stretch of the mean. Uh, I, I think one of the things that we've adapted lately is is more like the identity statements. Like um, just with our with our older ones, like something that I've I've been really intentional about is like, hey, like I love you, and they're like, uh huh, and I'm like, no, look at me, like I love you, mommy loves you, God loves you, and there's nothing that can change that. Um, and whatever, because they're, they're all in different phases. And I feel like one of the things that, you know, you hear from kids a lot is like, you know, my parents didn't tell me they loved me or that I didn't really feel that or whatever that is. And so for me, it's just like, I want them to understand their identity in who they are and uh, be able to have conversations from that place. Because some of those identity statements come from the lows and it's like, no, like, I love you. Like there's, there's nothing that can change that. So very similar to Eric. Like, I feel like that's kind of how we, we do. There's conversations like that. One of of the things we've all read recently, Habits of the Household, I think Mm -hmm. it ties to this. Um, Very good book. But one of the things in there that I started doing and my kids got weirded out by it was like, almost like he uses the term, I think liturgy, but he just basically like, I'm, I'm praying a blessing over my kids at night. They don't even know I'm really praying because they haven't figured out that it's a prayer. Cause I'm like, you know, may God bless you and keep you. And then I, I like usually change the last couple phrases Mm -hmm. and the kids are just like, what are you doing the first time, you know? Mm -hmm. And Jocelyn, my five-year-old is just like, she's gotten so into it. She's like, what are you going to pray tonight? You know, what are you going to do? You know, right? But I found that that has become a time, even if it's like 30 seconds, very short, that that's a moment where they know I'm going to speak something over them that is from scripture Mm -hmm. or maybe a verse that I'm thinking of or, um, you know, one of them struggling with this or one of them struggling with that. You know, the joys that they do have in life, again, like celebration, Recently, I had, one of my kids got glasses and she was more excited than I was. I was like, what is going on? She's so excited to get glasses. I'm like, when I was a kid, we didn't like glasses, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, yeah. right? But in that moment, mm-hmm. it went back to like, 
who are you and what defines you? And she didn't see the glasses as defining her. She saw who she is inside defining her. And it was just one more thing that she got to do. She gets to gets to have glasses rather than I have to have glasses. So that's kind of a mentality I've been trying to yeah. teach that. I think that's a good point. It's it's once your joy is actually grounded in mm. in Jesus and what he's done for you, then all the other things in life that bring you joy will be more joyful. Right. And all yeah. of the things that cause you pain in life will I think be a little bit less painful because now it's through the filter of your salvation. And the reason I ask about, you know, how do we bring this into our homes is because, you know, as, as our, my kids get older, Heather and I are going to encourage them to pursue Jesus and follow him wherever he leads them to go. Mm-hmm. It might be he leads them to be a teacher or an engineer. Maybe it'll, he will lead them to be into, get into full-time ministry, which is great. However, what that means is I want them to be fully clear of their foundation in Jesus before they ever start to work for Jesus. Uh, And I think if you can get that right, then you have a far better chance of setting your kids up to experience the kind of joy that that Jesus has for them as opposed to circumstantial happiness. So um, this is a great conversation, guys. I really appreciate you being with us and I hope that everybody watching did too. And I think that's a great place to wrap it up today. And so thank you for joining us in Church Unscripted. We hope that if you found value in this, that if you have not done so already, you'll subscribe to this channel, you'll like it. You'll also hit the notification bell so that any future updates and uploads will come right to your feed when you log on. And we hope that you'll share this so that more people can benefit from these conversations as the three of us do every single week. So thank you again for being with us and we will see you next time on Church Unscripted.